Hello, I'm Philip. And I'm Phoebe. Welcome to Dad. And Daughter Do Death. Hello, Phoebe. Hello, Dad. How are you? I'm fine. I'm fine. This is um, episode 50 of Dad and Daughter Do Death, and it also coincides pretty much with our one-year anniversary. It does. Yeah. We obviously missed two weeks on my we had a bit of a break over Christmas, didn't we? <laughs> and uh Yeah, well, there's been a couple of times. Well, a couple of weeks, to, uh, but yeah, we've kind of caught up it. with ourselves nearly. But yes, a whole year of uh chatting over Zoom talking about true crime. <laughs> yes, indeed. <laughs> and we're still finding stories that neither of us have ever heard of before. <laughs> yeah, it's true. As well as some uh, as well as some yeah, much more famous stories like the yes. one you did last week. Yeah, yeah, that was a great episode. You're welcome. It was uh, it was good to do. I think good one to add to our archive of yeah murderers. Yes. But this evening, Phoebe, I've got a, a fairly short story about a Belgian woman called okay. Marie Alexandrine Becker. Have you okay. ever heard of her at all? I don't think I have. No. <laughs> so, well, this this one could be interesting for you then, Phoebe. Okay, thank you. Marie Alexandrine was actually called Marie Alexandrine Petitjean on the 14th of July, 1879. So we're in that sort of era, late Victorian, Edwardian sort of period. In Vasmart in Belgium, her parents were farmers and from a very early age, she would work in the fields to support the family. They were quite poor. Uh, and as a result, she had virtually no schooling at all. She uh, she just missed school because she was busy working on the farm. But she did ask the village priest for help with things like reading, writing, arithmetic. So she had a basic understanding, but um, she she wasn't particularly highly educated. When she was 16, she left home and she went to live with an aunt who ran a rope shop in Liège. Okay. Why in Liège when it is nowhere near the sea? Because you'd associate ropes. That's what chandlers mm. are, isn't it? Rope makers, rope sellers. I think uh, so, yeah. By the, by, with seafaring activities. But anyway, nevertheless, she went and worked in her aunt's shop. She was a bit of a flirt, and she used to offer male customers a drink called Peke, P-E-K-E-T. Okay. Which was a sort of a gin. Was oh, like, okay. Um, uh, yeah, kind of gin. So she used to sort of entice them in and uh, it was just... Give them a gin and a rope. <laughs> well, give them a gin and sell them rope. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, that only lasted for about a year. And when she was 17, she started working in a dress shop. Now, she absolutely loved working in this dress shop and she learned a lot. She learned a lot about fashion about dresses, about hats, about ladies' sort of accessories to wear with them. Uh, and she excelled at her work, and she climbed up the career ladder quite, uh, quite well, and she got herself quite a good, good name in that sort of industry. And she was considered to be a pretty and joyful young lady uh, who liked the company of men. Okay. <laughs> so while she was climbing her sort of professional ladder, she was also climbing the social ladder. Interesting. 
Now, in 1905, when she was 26, she went along to the Universal Exhibition of Liège, which was like a seven-month-long exhibition. It was ran from April to November in 1905. That's okay. sort of a celebration of things Belgium, I suppose, as those sort yeah. of big state exhibitions, exhibitions were. Are, yeah. I guess she was there as part of her job or or maybe just out of interest to see what was what was going on. But there she met a man called Charles Becker. Hence she became Marie Alexandrine Becker when they married a year later in 1906. They lived very happily for the next 27 years. Wow. Together until she was in her well, yeah, in her early 50s. Charles was a cabinet maker. And Marie was basically a housewife. Um, okay. I think her whole dressmaking career sort of went on hold. Now, I can't find anywhere any record of them having any children, so I'm not sure if they okay. had any or not. Now, as she grew older and into her early 50s, Marie got bored. She wanted to go back to the fashion business. She wanted to see more life because she realized that the one she was living was so tedious and boring and oh she's in her 50s and nothing very exciting is now going to happen and Charles was lovely but she found him a bit boring okay one day in 1932 so she was 53 by this stage she went shopping to the local market to buy vegetables and there she bumped into a man called Lambert Bayer. He was okay. about 10 years younger than her, and he was notorious womanizer. Oh. <laughs> and they started an affair, which awoke deep, passionate feelings in Marie. That was quick, just bumping into someone at the market. Well, I and think, then... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Quite how many times they met after that. Yeah. They into an affair, and um, yeah. And so this affair grew and she was still trying to keep it secret from her husband. And she hated doing that, mainly because she just wanted to be with Lambert Bayer and and wanted to leave her husband. But divorce wasn't really an option in those days. And so she had to find another way of ending her marriage, Mm -mm. which she did with a bottle of Digitalis. Oh, okay. It's a drug that is extracted from the foxglove flower. And it is a a medicine that is used to cure heart complaints. But in excess, it can kill you. Ah. (laughs) So it could be that she legitimately had digitalis for a heart condition, but maybe she used it perhaps for the wrong purpose. Anyway, one way or another, her husband ended up having an overdose of Digitalis and he subsequently died. That sounds like the wrong purpose. Yeah. So after a period of mourning, and she claimed on the life insurance that she had on him. Of course she did. She moved in with Lambert Bear. And as part of the arrangement, she had him make a will in her favour. And maybe... She made a will in his favour as well, I don't know, as part of the commitment. Maybe. Yeah, Yeah, maybe. (laughs) But just a couple of years later, in 1934, 
Lambert Bayer also mysteriously died of, well, what was later discovered to be digitalis poisoning. Because oh no, at that time in the 1930s, uh, it was kind of not very detectable unless you did sort of real toxicology. Mm, okay. Um, it, it was uh, sort of cause of death unknown. Okay. So her husband died of an unknown cause and her lover died of an unknown cause. What are the odds? And she ended up with uh, hmm, some money. It's always money. She, yeah, always it's money. always money. Yeah. And she was, one of her names that she's referred to is a black widow, but I think there are quite a few people that you could describe as black widows. Yeah. <laughs> Not unique in that. But her new lifestyle, where she was going out and living it up, she would say, was costing her a lot of money. Yeah, but it was. Marie was a regular at nightclubs in Liège. She spent a lot of time with younger men who apparently she would pay to spend nights with her. Oh, wow. She must be nearly 60 at this point. Uh, 54. She was born in... Uh, yeah, 55, yeah. Uh, okay. Yeah, nearly 60. <laughs> yeah, nearly 60. <laughs> <laughs> so she was living the life, burning through this money that she'd sort of um, inherited, shall we say? What she decided to do was open her own dress shop, which she wanted to do for quite a while. It started off as being a fairly modest establishment, but she enjoyed it. She was good at getting in the right sort of dresses to sell. She built up a good reputation with customers and she had, yeah, a very respectable clientele that would regularly come to her for dresses and fashion advice. Nice. But her lavish and, well, yeah, crazy lifestyle, as you say, she's 55 and she's mm. on the dance floor with men in their 20s. And, you know, perhaps perhaps some people might think of her as a bit of a laughing stock. But um, mm. sounds exhausting. Yeah. <laughs> when she's had all this energy building up in her for the last 30 yeah. years. <laughs> you can tell she's not had children. <laughs> I think she probably hasn't had children. Yeah, there's certainly no mention of them. But yeah, this lavish lifestyle of nights on the town, paying men to spend the night with her, it was costing her more than she was making through her dress shop. She had to think of another way of getting money. Now, when an elderly friend of Marie Becker became ill, a lady by the name of Marie Castardo, Marie Becker agreed to look after her. And this was around about July 1935. Okay. Marie Becker was acting as Marie Castardo's nurse. But instead of getting better, she got worse. And sadly, within literally a few days, Marie Castardo passed away. Becker stole money and jewels from her and clothes. But she put on this show of grief and mourning for... A dear friend who's now departed. Of course. But she did realise that this could be quite a lucrative way of funding her lavish lifestyle. Mm-mm. So she started getting the bottle of Digitalis out again and putting it in drinks and things of her friends who, <sighs> one by one, would start to uh, become poorly over a few days sickness, dizziness, and then pass away. 
Mm-mm. And in all the cases, the doctors recorded their deaths as being of unknown cause. Okay. Just a coincidence that they're all friends of yeah. <laughs> Murray Beckers. <laughs> what a coincidence. Yeah. And she kind of ran out of friends. <laughs> yeah, because she killed them all. <laughs> yeah, because she killed them all, yeah. Or friends that are worth killing, shall we say. <laughs> <laughs> well, friends that had um, money and jewels that were, you know, that she quite yeah. fancied the look of to be able <laughs> to fund her lavish life. Yeah, basically, yeah. So, Murray Becker turned to her customers and started preying on them. Wow. So when women would come in, she would have like, I don't know, in a dress shop, there might be like a little seating, seating area where they might look at catalogues and magazines of the latest fashions and they'd talk about it and things. And she'd offer them drinks. <gasps> and when she brought the drinks out to them, they were laced again with Digitalis. Oh, my goodness. And while they were there talking about the latest fashions, these customers that start to feel ill and queasy and things. So Marie Becker would offer to take them home, okay. leave them in the house. Presumably there was no, she, she had to work out that there was nobody in the house. So, so. Yeah. And what she would do is take money and jewels from these customers before finally leaving them to die. Oh my goodness. And it is thought that she did this around about 10 times. Oh, wow. Okay. Before things finally came to an end. And in every case, she would go to the funerals. She would put on a show of grief. She'd say, this is my dear friend. This is my dear customer. How sad that these people are dying around me. The way it came to an end was that Another acquaintance of hers was moaning about her husband and how she wished she could get rid of him. And Marie (laughs) Becker said, I know a way of doing that, which is pretty much undetectable. Have this little bottle of stuff and put this in his drinks or tea or whatever. Oh, my goodness. (laughs) But instead of doing that, this particular friend went to the police who by this stage had already started to suspect Marie Becker because I think there'd been Uh, a couple of anonymous letters, I believe, that had been sent to the police to say that they were suspicious about her involvement in people dying. So All these people dying. Yeah, the the police are already aware of her. Okay. A bit like... um, It'd be like shipping in that respect yeah. because these people were dying of seemingly natural causes. And then a couple of people started saying, well, actually, yeah. it's a was bit it? odd. Yeah. Mm. Like that taxi driver that said, well, 20 yeah. people I've taken to that surgery. Yeah. <laughs> and the out. undertaker <laughs> saying, like, we're yeah. getting a lot of dead bodies <laughs> signed off by him. Yeah. Based on this lady going to the police to say, Marie Becker had given me this stuff to give to my husband because I was having a moan about him and the anonymous letters. They started to investigate these sudden deaths. And in October 1936, Becker was arrested. Some of her victims were exhumed and actually tested for digitalis, which came back positive. Marie Beck was found to have digitalis in her handbag at the time that she was arrested, mm. which she claimed Convenient. was, well, yeah, but she claimed it was for a heart condition, which I suppose okay. yeah, maybe a doctor or whatever would be able to confirm that, but maybe it wasn't. 
her home was found to be full of clothes and possessions from the ladies that she had Mm-mm. poisoned and cared for whilst they died. So she was charged with the murder of her husband, her lover, and ten women. Wow. And the attempted murder of five others. My goodness. Mary Becker was remanded in custody for 19 months while the... Um, wow. I, I guess the authorities, I don't know what the uh, Belgium equivalent of the Crown Prosecution Service is. But, yeah. <laughs> um, while, they, while they put their case together. The trial started in June 1938. There were over 200 witnesses prepared to testify against her and around 1,800 pieces of evidence that the the prosecutors have assembled. And she was very quickly found guilty and sentenced to death. This was in 1938. In actual fact... In Belgium at that time, although she was sentenced to death, it was automatically commuted to life imprisonment. Right, okay. in Belgium at that time, they weren't actually carrying out uh, the death penalty. So she went to prison, but she wasn't there for very long because she died of natural causes. Or were they? In (laughs) June 1942. Oh, okay. So she yeah, was so like uh, 60, 61 or 62 or something when she, uh, when she actually right. died. Hmm. So that is the, the short but nevertheless quite interesting story of yeah. Marie Becker. Someone else essentially poisoning their loved ones to get their money. <laughs> yeah, or acquaintances certainly. Acquaintances, yeah. Yeah. It really reminds me of um, Gesha Got, I think Gesha Gottfried, I think that yeah. one. Like killing off yeah, partners and just, husbands and yeah, family members yeah. just to get their money. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Wow. I think the stories of black widows are quite fascinating. They always seem to get away with it for such a long time. Oh, yeah. And I know it's it's not the right word, but there's something nostalgic almost romantic about these sort of women in the 1920s and 30s that poisoned mm, I know what you mean. <laughs> sort of the stuff that miss marple stories are made of you know that sort of yeah murder. whereas yeah. murder today is just not the same <laughs> no no yeah <laughs> it's so modern and uh yeah uh, you'd, like you'd never really get away with that today no. would you like it'd be really difficult to get away with that yeah. because if as soon as someone died, like just dropped dead like that, they do an autopsy and they do blood tests and they'd find those high levels of stuff in their yep. system, wouldn't they? So it'd be really difficult for people to get away with that now. Definitely would, yeah. The uh, autopsy would find something eventually. Yeah. So there you go. That's as say that's a fairly short, short story of Marie Alexandrine Becker. There's some pictures of her. There's pictures of her actually in court. Amazing. I look forward to seeing those. Is there any true crime news that we uh, ought to just mention this week, Phoebe? Well, some news hot off the press. Literally just before we started recording tonight, Cressida Dick has left the Met Police. So yes. I'll sit down as Crime Commissioner. So that is that is true crime news. It is, yeah. Yeah, I think her, her reputation, well, the reputation of the 
Matt was severely damaged by the Wayne Cousins incident where, yeah, as a serving police officer, he killed Sarah Everard. And I've, there was saying on the radio tonight that the criticism that they had for the way that they dealt with the vigil that they had for Sarah Everard. Yeah. In the middle of the COVID crisis and everything, but the heavy handed nature that the police went in. Yeah. It was just, just the wrong attitude. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, definitely. Especially when apparently there were parties happening around the same sort of time that police weren't going in and heavy-handedly dragging people Breaking out of. Up. So. Yeah, that's true. And this their, their, their vigil was outdoors, not inside. Yep. Number 10 Downing Street. Anyway, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Taking the pictures of the bodies of those two sisters. That were yeah, doing. that was awful, that is. Well, they're still sort of... um. Yeah, the growth or whatever, and uh, and, and all around. those kind of messages and stuff that have been going back and forth around like domestic abuse and like making jokes about rape yeah. and stuff like that. And I guess there is an element of, I imagine, working in the police, you have to have a bit of a kind of element yeah. of that about you, <laughs> and like a kind of bit of like black humor, for want of a better word. But there's a line, isn't there? Yeah. <laughs> and uh, yeah. I think, I think sharing stuff like that on WhatsApp, yeah. absolutely stuff like that on WhatsApp, where people are going to see it is just stupid. A bit like that football player that was filmed. Kicking oh my god, his kicking cat. the cat! Yeah, and you know, if that gets out there, it's just going to go, isn't yeah. it? And someone that poor cat. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, what on earth do you think was going to happen? That that football yeah. or his brother who put the video yeah. out. Or, crazy isn't it there's, there's just no room for that sort of thing yeah with the technology we've got now no no and yeah it's just stupid to do stuff on your phone or have stuff recorded or say stuff in messages that yeah could ruin your career well, certainly if you publish it <laughs> yeah absolutely send yeah. it out there once it's out there that's it it's gone isn't it yep there was another uh story that came up in the last week where Levi Belfield who's already in prison for kidnapping and murdering Millie Dowler and a couple of Mm -hmm. others has allegedly confessed to the murders of Lynn and Megan Russell mother and daughter and the attempted murder of Josie Russell yeah that's Uh, crazy a crime for which a guy called Michael Stone is currently in prison for very uh complicated story because i think the michael stone trial didn't go particularly well the first time around yeah he was he was convicted twice he had two Mm. um yeah he was convicted twice for their murder but then i I was reading something earlier that said that they'd found this evidence last year which kind of started to put a question mark over whether he it was him but he's been in prison for what 25 years yeah so it'd be really interesting to see what happens here because he's always kind of protested his innocence but he was found guilty by a jury twice. So it'd be really interesting to what happens. But I think it, the the kind of Lynn and Megan Russell cases and also the Millie Dowler cases would be interesting to cover at some point, I think. Yeah. Well, thank you very much for that story. And good to hear the pictures. Will you share them on the social media pages? I will, as ever. I will put them onto our Instagram page. At Dad and Daughter Do Death. And on Facebook. Dad and Daughter Do Death. 
If you'd like to contact us to talk about this story or any story or anything at all, you can email us at daddanddaughterdodeath at gmail.com. Thank you for listening. If you found this interesting, which hopefully you have, please do leave us um, a rating, a like, a review, anything like that. It's always good to hear from you and hear what you think of our little podcast. Yep. Yep. One year on. One year on. Yeah. What a year. It's gone very quickly. It has. Yes. (laughs) It has. Through various lockdowns and other things Mm. that we've had to live through at that time. Yeah. Well, we'll go and open a bottle of champagne to celebrate our one-year anniversary. And have some cake. <laughs> and have some cake, yeah. But the rest of you, please join us next time when once again, Dad... And daughter, do death. <laughs>